Hello, hello, and welcome to Intentional Sounding. It's the Draw Play Podcast, and football has returned. I'm your host, Draw Play Dave Rapocio, and with me, as always, is he's establishing the run, Sam Grezis. Oh, God. My least favorite phrase in all of football, college or otherwise, is like, yeah, those those two or three yard runs, they, they don't look like much now, but they're tiring out the defense. Look for look for them to, to break open late in the fourth quarter. It's the, I don't care. I don't care. I know. You Why do we to... never hear about establishing the pass? I, I know, Right. Because, because I like, think... Like, because why can't the other version be open? Like, if you start... Like, these days, the way the NFL is designed, it's it would almost make more sense to establish the pass, right? At yeah, the like establish a, get, a short pass offense. Yeah. Yeah, just get into a very passing situation. Just pass, pass, pass right at the beginning. That'll probably get you some plays early on. You bust out like the interesting plays really early on. Build a lead off quick passing. That's when you start throwing in run plays to wear down the clock and to like catch the defense off kilter. Like establish the pass and then use the run. To be to be honest, we gotta stop establishing the run. Yep. That's that's the way I always play Madden, and it, it used to work. I would find, like, those short, like, uh, plays with curl routes that are, like, only f- five yards out or, like, the, the stick play and make the, like, play that had super easy reads for, like, three or four yards. And then, like, if I was ever playing someone else, like, they would back up and, like, settle into zones, and then I would be able to, like, pretty consistently... Um, like as long as I was making my reads and stuff, I'd be able to pretty consistently run like an outside run for like 25 yards. It would be yeah, pretty. Yeah. I don't know. It's also, we've lost, we've lost the draw play. The draw play used to be yeah, the result right? of establishing the pass. You pass a bunch and then you f- basically fake that you're going to pass and you hand the ball off and he runs through an open middle because everyone has backed off to defend the pass. Like, we've lost it. Establish the pass, people. Establish the Don't pass. Don't establish the run. Establish the, run, the pass. The run had its time. It yes. is now about establishing the pass. I think, that, I think that another reason why everyone talks about establishing the run and how honorable it is is that people still think the forward pass is cheating. Those I, people haven't died off yet. I, I think that there is uh, maybe the people have, but the but the the sentiment has not that there is something more honest about running for two yards every play than passing for like three seven yards. Yard. Yeah, and a yeah, exactly. Cloud of dust. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is now. We- uh, so if you if this is one of your first episodes i live in chicago so not really the midwest but definitely midwest like big 10 football country and this is it, it is starting to make sense what like michigan fans nebraska fans iowa fans say about the yeah the fucking three yards and a, and a cloud of dust the uh, dust it's just like you don't oh you don't like the forward pass you just don't that's you that's not football true men are forged in the scrum that's that's kind of what it is like yeah you like passing isn't imposing your will 
on another team like running is. I it's think not that's, as violent, that's kind yeah. of what it comes in. That that sort of like manliness, like masculinity, force yourself on other people kind of right. aspect to it. The pass is like fancy. It's a test like, of oh, speed look at versus these. a test of strength. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like speed and skill. That's yeah, poofy. Right, That's some right. millennial bullshit. No, the boomers want to bash. That's what they want. They want <laughs> yeah. people smashing into each other and for imposing their will upon another team. When frankly, just like boomers, their time has ended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need we need to embrace the future. The NFL, the league has already effectively embraced it. It's it's a passing league. It's been a passing league for roughly a decade at this point. Yeah. We need to stop pretending that the run is required to be established. That, it's, it, the, it's not. The other the other thing is like think about the electric running backs of the league. None of them are like the the days of the like Frank Gore uh, model of running backs are like pretty much gone. I think the last one is Adrian Peterson. I think Adrian Peterson will go down as the last great bell cow. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. It's it's now when you are when you are running a like even if you're running a run first offense, right? You generally have two or three running backs. One is like the shifty speedster. One is the one that is like. Like a Frank Gore, where where you'd put put them up in through on the like, middle. Yeah, you stick exactly. him in the middle. He can take some three. hits. He can he can pound the rock. But you only play that back now, like two maybe two out of every four snaps. If if like yeah. if that like max, generally you're going to only be bringing them out on third down and short distance scenarios, the, or like early in the game when you just want to like punch up the gut yeah and you know establish Establish the run really these days like we're living in an era of backs by committee and yeah running backs who are more all-around specialty people not just you hand them you hand them the football and they run straight ahead and they try to find a hole and they hit people no now we've got saquon barkley's and uh devonta freeman's who catch the ball out of the backfield and they they make moves that way so that this is something that I was going to kind of ask ask you because I think that the conversation we're having is leading me to the conclusion that like a lot of offensive sets in football are obsolete because of the way the running back position has changed, right? Yeah. So you know how like when you line up wide receivers you got your x and your y and your slot receiver whatever like you want to you want to call it we don't you got your little bunch over on the one side to get yeah passing stuff but like there isn't really much of that for running backs there are very like you don't see the i formation anymore like the i formation used to be like the staple everyone ran ran their offense out of the eye yeah yeah it's just like i think the eye is like three wide outs it's three or two wide outs mm-hmm. then you got tight end on like the weak side of your line you got your quarterback and then you got your fullback and then you got your running back and the fullback plows ahead and the running back gets the handoff and that's that's what it was for a while the i formation was the formation now it's mm-hmm. shotgun and the pistol rpo all this other fancy stuff because it's passing 
Right. We are past the running element and the running three yards in a cloud of dust, rough, rough and tumble, gritty defensive struggle. Mm-hmm. Although you wouldn't know that by the opening game. That's, I was going to say, we're, we're having a conversation that is completely irrelevant given the stupid boringness of Bears-Packers. Neither of these teams are going to be good. Let's just put that right out there. I saw a lot of Packers fans that were very happy, especially because of the way that that they fucking burned Mitch Trubisky to the fucking ground in an interview after the I, game. I, I think watching that game last night i don't think either of these teams fan bases should be sold on them yet obviously one game doesn't mean much of a shit if i was a fan of either of those teams last night i would be if i was a bears fan i would be still legitimately excited about the defense that defense on the bears is legitimately great yeah and watching them was legitimately fun the offense is a bad uh-uh. situation nah, the, the play good. calling was atrocious mitch was terrible mm-hmm. and they could not do anything so if i was a bears fan i'd be excited to watch the defense but this might be like a, a 2006 year where the offense meant nothing but the defense carried them right into the playoffs like i can see that happening with the bears this year yeah the yeah. packers it's hard to tell because their offense should be better than it was last night. They clearly ran into yeah. a buzzsaw. Like, like when you hold Aaron Rodgers and the team to 10 points, you should win. That The Bears offense was just so fucking garbage. But the Packers offense was, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad as it was last night. Mm-hmm. I also, it, there's a lot of Packers fans who are excited about the defense stepping up. And the defense was fine, but again... Yeah. There was a lot of just terrible mishandling by the... I, I was watching that game for the Bears, and the Bears did not understand how to run offense. Like, it didn't no. feel like the Packers were really winning so much as Mitch Trubisky just could not hit an open man, and right. and the play calling was terrible. They, they ran, like, a lot of pass plays, which, why? Like, Mitch yeah, Trubisky is right? not... It's like they're trying to make him be like this Peyton Manning Mahomes thing, mm-hmm. but he does not have that skill set yet. So why are they not running more, especially that, in a game like that? Like, it, it, honestly, the, maybe the Bears needed to establish the run. Maybe. Well, that's that's that is the one thing is that like if you if you use establishing the run to get your quarterback in a rhythm, maybe that's one thing, or like take some pressure off the quarterback. But even even then, I mean, you can. Hey, hey, hey. The, this is this is what big quarterback doesn't want you to know. It is <laughs> it is very easy, very easy. It is very easy to put together an offensive play that will get you three yards every time. That is a passing play. Like there, the, it, that's just the way that the math works, right? If you if you have a wide receiver, if you have two wide receivers that are close to each other, one of them running a curl route and one of them running across the line of scrimmage, one of them is going to be open every time. Almost, like, almost always. Not every time, but almost always. And that completion is something that, like, if if you practice, like, if you and I practiced for a month and we had a good offensive line... Like if we pra- if we quit our job and practiced every day for a month, we could make that completion. 
in an in an NFL we, game. We, we, could. we could. Yep. Then we'd be like super pumped and we wouldn't have a job and we'd oh, be of course. And yeah. it'd be hilarious. But we could do it. Like, the, this is what the Patriots have been doing in their passing offense for like a decade. They they right. have always been good at getting the small chunk yardage to keep the ball moving. They mm-hmm. do not rely on big plays. They rely on the short chopping up the field methodically it's why they're so fucking boring to watch yeah yes it's that's true it's not good it's a not three good. yard curl route that's like three yard curl routes are not exciting plays right but they work and the mm-hmm. patriots understand that and it's fucking boring but it works Ugh, mitch trubisky i i have become aware of a meme uh via someone i follow who, who follows me back on twitter who's a very good vikings person arif Hassan. if you don't follow him he's a very good twitter follow mm-hmm. he's a vikings guy but he he loves the idea that mitch trubisky cannot throw left and watching oh, last night i yeah. think i might agree with it mm-hmm. i don't think he can throw left especially the last play of the game he threw left and he threw a terrible lob pass into the end zone that into double coverage that was easily picked off for the Packers to win. Mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky can't throw left. He's not an ambi thrower. Mm-hmm. 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 I, I, I forgot because this was a, um, that was a uh, meme. Like that was a very obscure, like Chicago uh, sp- sports Twitter meme uh, last year that kind of, faded when mitch trubisky started playing good um like late in the season he started i mean people forget that but like and probably this is the reason why they came out with such a weird looking game plan was that at the end of the season mitch trubisky didn't look franchise worthy but certainly he looked comfortable in the pocket and was making plays. He looked he looked better than he did last night. Oh, ab- yeah, absolutely. I I think that they may have just taken like they may have gotten really, really antsy with his development, as has probably anyone who wasted a wasted a pick that early in the draft on a. As funny as it is, last night felt like a pretty good um, argument for why those preseason games are needed, because neither uh-huh. quarterback played like like Aaron Rodgers didn't play any preseason snaps and i don't think trubisky played much either and they both looked very rusty it Mm -hmm. like i was surprised like rogers had like the one big big drive but that was it but they they both looked very rusty last night and Mm -hmm. it's probably because they haven't really gotten any practice time yeah yeah that makes sense that's very true oh boy it's gonna be a long season that game was boring i I, there was some things last night that it was like one it was wonderful to have football on my television again real honest football as bad as it was it was very nice to have it on my television again despite Mm -hmm. the fact that i had to listen to chris collinsworth despite the fact that we had a pass interference challenge which i actually collinsworth said it at the time and i actually agree with this is that I think 95% of the pass interference challenges are going to just stand as originally called and waste our time. Yeah. Oh, like I that mean, almost definitely. Penal- that, 
that penalty was basically instituted because of the Saints' terrible missed call. Uh-huh. And the, that is the kind of egregious example where it will actually be overturned. But how many right. situations like that actually happen? Like, how how often does a ref actually miss pass interference that badly? It's not often. No, it's, Pass it interference, really for the most part, is usually called when it kind of shouldn't be. Right. That's the, that's the thing, is if anything... And we talked about this last year, right? Or uh, like before, when the rule was instituted, right? Mm-hmm. When they when they announced this, that the the real problem is calling pi when contact was incidental, or like the problem isn't that the problem with pi isn't missed calls generally, right? It's the subjectivity of calling it maybe when it shouldn't. Or just like if it's if it's as blatant as the Saints missed call was, it should be called. The Saints missed call was an outlier situation, and it's atrocious that that got this um, new rule instituted because it it just should have been the NFL saying we fucked it up, the refs having to say we fucked it up, and then moving on. But the Saints are being super big babies about it. And now we have this time-wasting rule where coaches are going to throw out these challenge flags when it's not going to work. Just like last night, LaFleur threw out a challenge flag trying to say that the Bears' offensive pass interference on a big catch. And like a very, like they even, the announcers even joked about it, how, how non- offensive the play was because the bear the he ran out he had his arm out he didn't really push off but he had his arm out to kind of keep the defender at bay and turned around to catch the ball it wasn't even anywhere close to a pass interference even in slow motion it didn't look bad which uh-huh. slow motion makes everything look a lot worse than it is mm-hmm. and it, we, we wasted like three or four minutes of sitting there waiting for them to make the call. The announcers are cracking up about how it was extremely easy to say, oh, no, that's not pass interference. We're going to have, like, one of those a game now, and it's going to be stupid. Yeah, it's true. I I think that then the the pendulum will finally swing the other way, though, in that maybe if if there's enough backlash, um, and there, there will be if Chris Collinsworth said this, if Chris fucking Collinsworth said this, in the first game of the year, if there's enough backlash by like sports media types. If there's one thing we know about the league, it's reactionary. So that oh, I mean, basically there's nothing good that's going to come out of this because no. the only time it's ever really going to overturn something is if the ref overcompensates on a play that didn't deserve it, or it's a, an egregious missed call in the first place, like the Saints play. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it really is just going to waste our time. Yeah, which is why I'm thinking that they there's probably going to be more like severe penalties or a more um, strict. Like they're gonna they're gonna dissuade teams from making that challenge uh, in like in a much more severe way, probably within the next season of football i assume it's going to go just be kind of annoying and then like i said last night it's kind of inevitable that this rule is at some point probably mid-season it's going to screw over the lions 
and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Before, it will, but always, like the the lions are basically the victims of dumb rules like this, and I can't like they've lost so many games to botched up. Like I, the playoff game against the uh, the Cowboys several years ago, that's a play call where offensive pass interference, like the pass interference flag was picked up, even though both teams literally committed it. Yeah. And like all that kind of thing. Like that's when the flag could have actually been used to help the Lions. But I just assume at this point, the Lions are going to get screwed out of a game. The Lions fans are going to get rightfully pissed off. And that's when people will kind of be told to stop challenging PI. And it'll, they'll kind of try and sweep it under the rug a little bit and kind of maybe like silently fade it out because, oh, this was a stupid mistake. This mm-hmm. this entire rule exists because the refs in the Saints game were dumb. Were dumb when they shouldn't have been. It was a blown call. That's blown non-call. That's all it was. We shouldn't have this thing. Let's move on. Yes. To our big subject of the week, which we should honestly just institute a little segment every week. Just like this week in Antonio Brown news. So... This week in Antonio Brown news, Antonio Brown almost punched Mike Mayock. Mm-hmm. Let's back up a bit. So I don't know if you, have you watched any of the Hard Knock season this year? No, no, I haven't been able to yet. Don't you have not? HBO. You have not missed anything. I watched three of the five episodes, and whatever like spirit. And, like, candid nature of Hard Knocks that it had in its early seasons, it's gone now. Mm-hmm. There's nothing candid or, like, interesting. It doesn't feel like we're getting real insider information. It feels, I, I saw it described somewhere as, like, kind of basically a press release in TV show form. And that is definitely what it feels like. The, there, the drama and everything that's hard knocks is focusing on. It's just, it's so toothless. There's no, there's none of the gritty reality show juiciness that you might've gotten in the earlier seasons. Yeah. I it's mean, gone. That, well, everything feels was, so papered down. The whole thing that turned people onto the show was Bruce Arians fucking foul mouth, right? Like that was it. It was, it was, it was watching, Bruce Arians and the Cardinals be unfiltered and it was so new and so like un like unbelievable that a a league that has such a tight grip on all of its messaging would allow a coach to say the fuck word on yeah. TV, you know? And like, that's probably still the the most amusing part of the show is seeing John Gruden say, "Ah, fuck that." Yeah, exactly. Like, that too. Yeah. That that's that's probably it. Everything else is so watered down and it, it just feels like they're carefully playing themselves right in front of the cameras so that right. we're not actually seeing any of the good old juice. Mm-hmm. And the only thing Hard Knocks does well is something that they've done essentially since the beginning when this kind of drama worn out is they find players that are on the bubble of making the team who probably won't make the team, but they spend most of their time focusing on the stories of those players 
with the Raiders, it was the uh, linebacker, no, the tight end who like has a drug past and was trying to like deal with the rehab. There was a linebacker who is like from like Cambodia, I think it was. And like his mom was nice and they were trying to tell if he was going to make the team. He, he ended up not making the team, but he's on the Lions practice squad now. So he's okay. It's like those players that are on the bubble, the rookies who are like learning what it's like. And the players that are on the bubble who are fighting to see if they can make the team. That's where Hard Knocks focuses the majority of their time because that's where you get like natural stories. But... That's not what anyone tuning in really wants to see. Right. Like, it's nice seeing these guys and learning their names and learning their stories. But we're turning, we're tuning in to see the nonsense. Like, that's why people watch reality shows. They want to see the dumb shit drama. And it, that part is being completely filtered and probably not, the teams are probably trying to restrict that so it doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Antonio Absolutely. Brown, how he was treated on the show is was very indicative of how it was working. There was there was a lot of time devoted to Antonio Brown basically kind of just being happy and walking around and joking with the coaches and like taking pictures with fans and then like a couple people saying like, "Well, he's a crazy guy." Like it felt calculated to the point where it was just like, "Well, he doesn't seem like that bad a guy." And then you remember like he threw furn- he threw furniture like off a balcony. Like he he tried to punch Mike Mayock. He he wandered right. into a a cryo chamber without footwear on because he, I don't know wasn't paying attention to the person who told him what to do or something like that. Like no. And two days after the show finishes, he he's upset. That he got fined, that he goes on Instagram, stirs up more drama by posting his fine letter and basically calling the Raiders out. Which, like, it's not good optics. Like, Antonio Brown can post whatever he wants on his Instagram, but he has to be aware that what he's doing is just going to cause more drama. Right, (laughs) right, yeah. calling, Calling out your boss... On Instagram, it's not a good way to, you know, fit in with the team. And mm-hmm. naturally, Mike Mayock, who should not be GM because he's just a media talking head who's now suddenly in charge of a fucking team. That shouldn't be happening. He's he's clearly, I, I, I think Mayock comes across as insecure and trying to be in charge of this yeah. whole situation. Yeah. Like, I gotta be, like, I'm the man, like, this is me. I gotta put my foot down. I gotta make sure they know who's boss because otherwise they're not going to respect me and not one maybe we shouldn't because he really didn't deserve the job he's a scout at best he Mm -hmm. like what does mike mayak know about the rest of the gm duties but he obviously got upset with brown posting that shit on instagram there was apparently a close to fist fight altercation where antonio brown called mike mayak a a delicious salty snack. Yes. That you can put cheese on that. Um, let's just, it's, you know, it's a Ritz. He called him a Ritz. <laughs> oh boy. He was apparently held back from punching him by Vontae. By Vontae's perfect. perfect. Which, that is the best part. That, like, oh. that is mm-hmm. great. And then the, the Raiders were like, well, we might have to suspend him. 
And then Antonio Brown unfollowed the Raiders and Derek Carr on social media, and he followed the Texans. And it's, and then today, it comes out that, no, he's not going to be suspended. He's going to play week one, which means that, you know what's weird? In all of these ridiculous power struggle dramas that Antonio Brown has been in the past year, he's kind of won every he's single one. He's won every single one of them. Yeah, like he apparently had to give a tearful, heartfelt apology to the team, but he still kind of got what he wanted. Like yeah. the the helmet drama, he eventually parlayed into a sponsorship deal because he he picked his new helmet, and then he goes online and he's showing off the new helmet and the brand he's using, and that like. That's fucking sponsorship. He won that struggle effectively in the end, even if he didn't get the original helmet he wanted. He ended up with an endorsement uh-huh. and more publicity. And now, with his ridiculousness, there was concern that it, if the Raiders like cut him or suspended him, it would void a lot of his salary. And if they traded him, like there was a whole kind of contractual-related mess if they suspended him. He doesn't get suspended. He gets to play. He gets the helmet. He won again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Everyone's calling him a clown because he kind of is, but he's winning. He's winning. He. He. I. I. I feel like he knows what he's doing. I. I think this it's, is all. This is all at least somewhat, somewhat calculated because not even. Not only did, did A B win. You know who comes out of this whole thing looking like a a completely like flaccid powerless broken man mike mayock yeah does anyone have respect for mike mayock at this point especially especially because the the statement uh that ab was not going to be suspended or expelled from the team was made by john gruden Right? Yeah. It seems like for 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 all of like for all of this weird drama that's happening, it seems like Antonio Brown has absolutely been killing it in practice. Um <clears throat> to the point where they want like the practices I guess that he's shown up for, to the point where they really want him on the field. Uh and John Gruden like is willing to at least appear as if he's going over Mike Mayock's head in an effort to keep him on the team and keep him happy. Which right? It's funny because like, that's the thing, like str- watching all of this, especially watching hard knocks. I definitely got the sense that all of this nonsense, John Gruden doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care if Antonio Brown is a dumbass on social media as long as he plays. That's the impression I got from the John Gruden I was watching on Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. So it, it felt like a lot of the tension was between Brown and Mayock. So yeah, it, it especially since Gruden essentially won the power struggle this offseason, got Reggie McKenzie fired, basically got in put in charge of the Raiders, and then hired Mike Mayock, who I assume got hired because he made friends with him while during their media stints where Mayock was essentially a draft scout and Gruden was just a commentator and they were probably flirting around the same offices. They probably got to know each other at that point. Right. They probably brought Mayock in to fill a role, not like in, he probably does not have as much influence and power as a regular GM. He thinks he does, 
but he doesn't. He's basically Gruden's lackey, and Gruden probably just got sick of all dramas and just went like, no, he's playing. The 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 funny thing about that, right, is like if we're talking about Mike Mayock being uh, largely just a figurehead who's there and not doing anything, and the person who really has the power being John Gruden, boy, that's bleak for the Raiders, isn't it? Oh, it's incredibly <laughs> bleak for the Raiders. <laughs> it's, it's, this this is great. I like I'm legitimately like, thinking about doing just like a weekly extra comic i, like, I saw that this season ju- just dedicated to the raiders I, I brief i made a comic if you're reading it my latest comic by the time this goes up was the antonio brown notebook which i'll probably use because most of the drama is going to revolve around that but we'll see i might i might be doing fairly frequent look at the raiders clown show comics as little side extras this season because it's it's just going to require it. Otherwise, I'm going to be making the comics every week anyway, because this is absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. So I wanted to ask you a question. and I posted on Twitter yesterday, and I, I got a lot of varying responses. It seemed pretty even, 50-50 split so far. And I do want to pose the question to this podcast, to you. Mm-hmm. Is Antonio Brown does Antonio Brown now have the crown for the biggest diva receiver of all time? So I think so. Here, here's my thing, and I, I think I tweeted something uh, to this effect uh, <clears throat> uh, to you. I, I think that to be considered the greatest like diva of all time. It has to be, like, consistent, right? Antonio Brown has done a lot of stuff. Like, uh, he's made a lot of big, splashy diva moves, right? The helmet move, uh, all the social media shit last offseason. But, but, like, like, you can only point to, like, four, four consistent things four or five consistent things that ab has actually done that were that were moves like that right i think that terrell Mm -hmm. owens throughout his whole career and 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 like crucially on the field right his his i i think i think terrell owens still has antonio brown beat i think i think the thing that really gets it for me is is like on field like swagger and celebration i feel like that's a key element that that antonio brown is nowhere near terrell owens on i i again i think he can be caught and i think i i think like i i think had antonio brown not played a game because of the helmet issue like if that if that hadn't been resolved then then there would be a legit legit argument to have but I, I think that I think that he's just he's missing the um, like his resume isn't as complete as uh, Terrell Owens is right. Mm-hmm. That's that's, so that's I'm my gonna, take right now. Yeah, I think. Well, this is going to make for rather boring discourse, but I am effectively right there with you on that. Okay, I think A B in terms of concentrated drama may have produced some the most ridiculous like 
12 months of divaness that we may have ever seen at any point. That's in time. so, uh, so I'll past, agree with you 100% the past 12, on that. Yeah. The past 12 months, what he has done has already put him in the Diva Hall of Fame. Yes. But absolutely. I absolutely agree. And I think most of the people who think AB is the divaest of all time are probably younger people. Who yeah, they don't weren't remember around. how bad Terrell Owens was before the age of social media. Like, the only thing, we've talked about this before, but the only, every time the whole diva situation with AB or OBJ comes up, is all I can think about is just how bad Terrell Owens would have been if he had Twitter when he was Oh my god. Well, yeah, I mean, again, he did it with, he blamed on every team he was, whenever he had a bad game, he blamed the quarterback. He, He very famously feuded with Donovan McNabb and then became a cowboy. Like, Let's let's I, like, like what I, let's, I, like, let's, let's recap. <laughs> let's recap To a little bit, just yeah, so like people some greatest can remember hits. some of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, exactly, we'll, exactly. We'll, this is all we'll great. Start I wanted, with yeah. I yeah. want to be clear that let's, this is all great. This is all amazing, and we, I, and I want more of this to happen across the league. I hope Antonio Brown is starting a trend or reviving a trend because '90s nostalgia is in right now. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's let's recap some of Terrell Owens' greatest hits, and we'll start with probably his first big one when he called Jeff Garcia a homo. Oh my god! That was I the first. That, that oh was boy. his first big hit. That was oh his introduction boy. single to the drama. Like, yes, that happened a while ago when he was still on the 49ers and the rising star that he was. He insinuated that his quarterback Jeff Garcia was a homosexual. And that went over real well, because even then people were like, dude, don't, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, don't, what are you, what are you doing? He, that basically caused a rift between him and Garcia and the 49ers. And then he, I think he was going, he was going to go to the Ravens. Like, I have to look this up. Mm -hmm. He was originally going to go to the Ravens. A lot of people forget about this aspect of it because he, he ended up on the Eagles and he ended up right. having a good, good situation. But let's, let's look at this uh, research again. The Ravens. Okay. Yeah. He was originally going to go to the San Francisco, believing it still held Owens rights, attempted to trade Owens to the Baltimore Ravens. However, Owens challenged the 49ers right to make a deal Owens assumed he would become a free agent. So basically, he prevented from being traded to the Ravens, which I remember living in Baltimore. That was a stink because the Ravens fans were excited to have him. But then there was this ridiculous rights drama between the Niners and Owens. Owens was apparently right. And he reached free agency and signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. And... That's when the drama with him and McNabb started. Uh Uh-huh. Their first year, they seemed like big friends. They were buddies. They were kicking ass. And then the second year, I think that was the year when they went to the Super Bowl. They, um, actually, they may have gone to the Super Bowl the first year where Owens was basically the hero for playing the entire Super Bowl and balling out on a high ankle sprain, which is probably his career highlight, to be honest. But 
then he basically came out and said McNabb threw up in the in the huddle. Basically, gigantic mess between him and McNabb to the point where that relationship was obscene. It was just, it was just come back and forth. He was he was calling he called McNabb shit. There was uh, he was he he got in a fist fight between himself and a team ambassador. Like Terrell Owens, basically, f- he was released. He, he filed like a grievance. Like he is a huge piece of shit. Fought his way off the Eagles. Signed with the Cowboys. Seemed happy. Lost to the Giants in the 2007 playoffs and cried. That remember that remember when Terrell Owens cried and said, oh, "That's God. my quarterback." Yeah, yeah. One yep. of one of the best post game <laughs> meltdowns we've ever seen. Just, just incredible, crying for Tony Romo, and then it, he was there for a few years, and it was, uh, it started to get a little, little iffy. And then he went to the Bills. Most notably during this time, the thing that I think people bring up the most right now is that he did when he was suspended. He had reporters to his house where he was doing a workout in his driveway shirtless. He held a press mm-hmm. conference doing sit-ups shirtless in his driveway. That is kind of the image that T.O. has served as a legacy, is him doing him doing exercises shirtless while suspended with the press surrounding him. This was before social media. Mm-hmm. He, he managed to basically be social media drama before that avenue of access existed. He right. he managed to be a circus before it was easy to be a circus. He was a pioneer of circus. And we loved it. Everyone and loved it. We couldn't get enough. It was great. As long as he wasn't on your team, it was yeah. great. Yeah, that was, was the other thing. Absolutely beautiful. He even caused drama when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. The first year when they passed over him... That caused drama because everybody was like, well, he deserves it, but he was also a shithead. And then he got into the Hall of Fame the next year and specifically said, I'm not going to the induction ceremony. I'm going to hold my own party. Terrell Owens is a pioneer of diva. He is a pioneer of circus. And Antonio Brown has to keep up his current pace for like two more years to really match it. I I can't believe that i forgot about the fact that he didn't show up to his own hall like that that move <laughs> i mean Vintage. that remembering Vintage. that move yeah that that remove uh, that move widens the gap a little bit there's i he needs i don't know ab ab has catching up to do he's definitely in in the in in the hall of fame there for sure but yeah damn like he, he there is a body of work right that Terrell Owens has done that is just, that is very, very hard to match. This kind of reminds me of the discussion we had when uh, Gronk retired on whether or not he's the greatest tight end of all time. Yeah. And it essentially came down to him or Tony Gonzalez. And Mm -hmm. we both agreed that Tony Gonzalez is the greatest tight end of all time simply because he was as great as he was was for as long as he was. Yeah. Right now, Antonio Brown is the Gronk of Divas and that he is putting up incredible numbers 
but he hasn't been doing it for long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't know... This this star is shining too bright to last for very long. So like, he lasted, he lasted like six or seven years before there was even a hint of drama. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very and true. That's very true. He was a hardworking sixth round pick. Early on, he fought his way to the top. He fought his way to being recognized. He was not nearly the on the field. I didn't even mention like the on the field bullshit that Terrell Owens did where he deliberately stood on the Cowboys star multiple times Uh causing the one Cowboy player to run out and run him. He did the thing where he grabbed the pom-poms with the cheerleaders and danced. He did the thing where he shoved the popcorn into his face. It was great. All of that was great. I wish we had more of that. Mm -hmm. But that, that caused a big stir because back then there was even more people like, celebrations yeah that's bad brown brown hasn't had the end zone nonsense that owens had i think the worst brown has had was like the one time where he like kind of humped the like i it was sort of a like he jumped and sort of like slid down the uprights pad like i remember oh that. yeah 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 I don't I don't really remember much besides that. He doesn't have the on-field drama that Terrell Owens had. And it's just like, well, he feuded with Ben. Like he, Owens feuded with Garcia and McNabb. <laughs> like, right. In ways that are arguably worse. So, he fought his way off of like three teams instead of one. Like AP has some catching up to do. You know, who I'm, who has potential to reach that though if he keeps on his current pace. AB took six or seven years to become a diva. Uh huh. But I will say that Odell Beckham has gotten off to an excellent start. Yeah. Yes, that's true. It's he's true. still a tier two diva. Mm-hmm. He's he's not Hall of Fame <clears throat> diva yet. Not but quite. he's gotten off to an excellent start and he's built an excellent resume so far of divaness. Like he did the boat thing. He did he punched a hole in the wall after the playoff loss. He famously headhunted Josh Norman in the one Panthers game. Mm-hmm. He he base he threw the Giants under the bus on the with on, on that one interview and then after the Giants sent him over to the Browns, he was basically saying how he kept the Giants relevant. Like, Beckham has a ways to go before he touches T.O., but he has gotten off to an excellent start. That's, yeah, and that's if he true. Continue, if he continues this current pace of steady, maybe not Antonio Brown levels of drama, but reasonable levels of drama, he could contend for greatest diva receiver of all time, especially if it just gets worse. If the Browns implode and go nuts like the worst case scenario situation where he starts feuding with Baker about not getting enough catches and the Browns implode. Like we could have a genuine contender to Tio's throne that so, isn't Brown. So, cause we're, we're, we're getting to the end here. Why don't we, cause I, I want to give any, if we have any NFL uh, wide receiver listeners who want to there, I feel like there's an easy way to like there's a roadmap right to overtaking to as the as the quintessential uh like wide receiver diva 
right? <clears throat> I think that the the best way to do it and and the best way to like reclaim uh what that word means from the boomer assholes who who want to establish the run is to do it in is to do two things. One uh keep like have a 60/40 split, okay? And what I mean by that is 60% of your your diva actions happen on the field and are celebratory, wacky, cool antics like stealing the pom-poms from a cheerleader or things um, that are essentially harmless but will piss off old people. Exactly. The other the other 40% is is Social media, yeah, like snipe at your own team, you know, get into get into beefs on social media, uh, and and do that. That is that is number one. Uh, keep that split. I think sixty forty, and I think that's good. Uh, the other thing that goes along with number one is don't be a shithead. Uh, don't like, like don't be homophobic. Don't be racist. Don't be sexist. Don't be transphobic. Like don't do all that. Because if you do that, if you if 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 you follow that rule, then people will like people will want to see what you do next because you'll be a diva, yeah, but you'll be a diva people root for, and you'll be a diva people like feel good about supporting and in fandom, right? You see, I don't know if I agree with that because not following that rule is kind of what made Terrell Owens who he was. See that's and that's why I think so exactly. Yes. Ag- agree. If 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 you continue to be loved in a lot of fashion like when TO was popular nobody really liked him. He just got by purely on the fact that he was incredibly talented, much like Antonio Brown is now. I don't know people don't like Antonio Brown right now because he is a he's a clown. But he's so talented that he right. gets to stay on teams. And it's that balance that's really hard to... You have to make sure that your clownness does not completely overshadow your talent and your ability. That's You true. have to be able to occasionally humbly come back and make sure that you continue to have a job because longevity is absolutely key. You can go out in a blaze of dramatic glory, but it won't take you to the top. You have to build a career of towing the line, of being an insufferable dick, but still worth having on a football team. So you have to make good relationships with Mm -hmm. a lot of your fellow players, but then completely and utterly piss off others. You have to get... You basically when you basically have to hit the edge of your free agencies periods like you have to get a nice contract and then cause a fuss to go to a new team. Like it feels like it's mandatory to feud with a quarterback at least once. Right. Tio so, did it. Every every good diva has has beefed with their quarterback during times of trouble at least once. It's got to happen. You got to do that. So you got to you have to toe that line between being an insufferable dick and being too talented to not have a round. So I also, I think though that I think we're, if we, I think that we are thinking small in the, in the, I, okay. So let me put it this way. I think that yes, 
if you remove the shitheadness from Terrell Owens, he is he is not the he is not the diva that that we know, right? However, however, I think that removing the shitheadedness equation, you can be a dick and not a shithead, right? I think that if you're still like a dick to your quarterback, a dick to your coach, but but talented, right? But you're not a shithead about it. You're you are not <clears throat> you are not a hateful person. I think that that is the the easiest best way for any of this new crop of of up and coming wide receiver divas to surpass the divaness of uh uh Terrell basically Owens, complain right? that you were open complain that you yes, were open yeah, and you yeah. didn't get the ball <clears throat> mhm mhm keep like and th- and that's another thing like it, it is more of a diva move in my opinion to knock your quarterback for a lack of skills for for a like if you're if you're saying if you call your quarterback out for something that your quarterback is actually bad at I think that is much more of a of a diva move than than saying anything that is you know extra any insult that is extraneous and possibly hateful right basically say hey Mitch Trubisky you can't throw left. You can't throw instead left. Instead of saying, yes. "Hey, Mitch Trubisky, you're a homo." Right. Like that, exactly. Like, there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want you want to you want to put actual criticism out there in a way that still kind of makes you look like an asshole. Mm-hmm. But you're right. So people are like, "Oh, but he's right. He said it meanly, but he's right." That's a good. That's a good way to be a diva. Right. So yeah, why don't I? I would love a new generation of, you know, non-problematic, non-hateful, uh, uh, wide receiver divas that kind of reclaim reclaim that throne and and take all of the the good lessons from To, uh, while we while stripping away give, some of the bad stuff. Yeah, we do have to give Antonio Brown credit. Unlike To, he's winning his power struggles. Mm-hmm. T.O. did not win his power struggles. He came right, in, that's, he played well, he threw a lot of fusses, and the teams eventually got sick of him and got rid of him. Antonio Brown, he didn't... T.O. didn't really end up in a better situation after he started causing drama. He just fought his way back through talent and personality. Antonio Brown, again... He's winning these power struggles because he doesn't care if people think he's a clown. He's like, mm-hmm. It's clear that our optics of Antonio Brown, my opinion of Antonio Brown, your opinion of Antonio Brown does not matter to Antonio Brown. What matters to Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown. Right. And it's getting him to win this shit because he has the talent to back up his nonsense. I'm, I'm really excited to see him on that. So, so with all of this drama... I I'm still thinking that the Raiders offense are are going to put up like a pretty decent amount of points this year, right? I'm 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 it, really excited to see Carr, that. If Derek Carr Yeah, if Derek Carr doesn't suck. Like that's the big Which question. I don't think he is does. Derek... I don't think he sucks. I like maybe hot take, but I don't, I think he's fine. I think he is slightly better if, than mediocre. Are we going to get the Derek Carr 
of the playoff season or are we going to get the Derek Carr that we got every other season? That's the real question. If Derek Carr returns to 2016 form, 2015, 2016 form, one of those years, whatever year that he was taking the Raiders all the way to the top and then broke his leg right before the playoffs and they fizzled out. Whatever year that was when he looked great, if they get that Derek Carr this year, like they're the Raiders offense is going to be legitimately good. Right. I I, I don't I, think the Raiders are going to be all that great mm-hmm. because they're still in an extremely tough division. They got to fight the Chargers, they got to fight the Chiefs and the Broncos are okay. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think the Raiders are reaching the playoffs this year, but we will yeah. get a good sense on if they're trending upwards or they have to blow it all up. This is going to be a make or break year for Derek Carr. No question. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Oh boy. (sighs) Are you excited for the first week of football? Yeah. I mean, it's, it can only get better from here, right? Yeah. That first game was total garbage. Mm -hmm. Should we do a lightning round of predictions? Just to bring things. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. All right. Final, a few minutes, lightning round. Let's see. Rams at the Panthers. Uh, actually, I actually think the Panthers are going to win this one. I think that I agree. We yep. are in even year Panther or odd year Panthers mode, which yep. means they're going to be good this year. And I think the Rams are going to take a step back. So yep. there we go. I I agree. I think the Panthers are going to come away with a big week one win. That's going to put the league on notice. <laughs> <laughs> Titans at the Browns. Uh, Browns. I'm also picking the Browns. The Browns have to come out strong. If they do not beat the mediocre Titans in week one, all that hype is going to have a very interesting consequence. I'm I'm hoping that this game is, is interesting at least though. Cause, cause I see a lot of folks worried like that this year is going to be a a referendum on Marcus Mariota. And I don't like, I don't know where all this came from. Like, I don't know. I, again, I always thought that Marcus Mariota, the consensus on him was that he was a, uh, like a relatively inconsistent quarterback who has a floor that is mediocre and a ceiling that is pretty okay. Um, I, but the problem is they have to pay him stuff. at the end of this year. This is, oh, okay. this is the yeah, year where they why. have to decide right. okay. whether or not they're going to pay him or not. So that's, that that's the big deal. That's the reason to watch the Titans this year is will Marcus Mariota get do enough to get paid or really get beaten out by Ryan Tannehill halfway through the season. Right. So I am also with you. I'm picking the Browns chiefs at the Jaguars chiefs, 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 chiefs. It's chiefs. It's chiefs on that one. Ravens at the dolphins. Ooh, interesting. I'm, I'm going to take the, uh, the Ravens. Um, I don't know what to expect out of Miami this year. I I feel like I don't expect anything good. Yeah. And I think, the, the Ravens, this is this is going to be an easy way for the Ravens to kind of test their new offense on right. a team that isn't really built to stop anyone, isn't going to do anything with a rookie head coach and no talent. Like, I think the Ravens are going to take this. Uh-huh. Falcons at the Vikings. Uh, I want to I go with the Falcons, but it's not. The Vikings are going to win for sure. I... I think the Falcons think. are going to win. Really? I think okay. the Falcons are going 
I think the Falcons are going to come out looking strong this year. They're just, not going to they're going to fade in the stretch like the Falcons do, but I think they're going to come out looking strong. I'm worried about oh. Julio, right? I'm just worried about Julio. Yeah. Um I don't know if he's going to be good this year. We'll see. Bills at the Jets. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm going to go uh, with the Jets. It's going to be the Jets. It's going to be the Jets, right? This is going to be one of those games where Sam Darnold throws three interceptions and still somehow wins. Um or it's going to be one of those games where Sam Darnold actually looks like a stud. That's fair. And then and then sucks for the rest of the year. I think the Jets are going to win this one. Yep. Agreed. The Skins versus the Eagles. Eagles. The Skins at the Eagles. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles are going to win that. Eagles at home. And the, the Redskins, I think, are going to regress pretty hard this year. I, I don't really have any data for that but i i the only interesting thing about the skins this year is going to be when are they going to be bad enough to put in dwayne haskins as the starter yeah that's 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 going to be the question when is dwayne haskins going to start a game when's he going to officially come in book it week they're starting four. case keenum right now week it's, four it's gonna be garbage yeah book it week four the jacoby biscuits Colts <laughs> at the loss Angeles Diego Chargers. Los Ange Diego Chargers. Uh, yeah, Los Ange Diego Chargers. It's, it's Chargers. definitely Chargers. I everybody has kind of been like, oh, the Colts are actually going to suck. Yeah, because God bless America. Well, it's the all Bengals... on T.Y. Hilton, right? It's all on T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's how open can he get? And if you know, I I don't know. I don't. I actually don't think the Colts are going to be that bad. I see the Colts as an eight and eight team. But it's gonna be. That's a pretty good bet. It's gonna be on. It's gonna be up to biscuits. Yeah. Yep. It's. All right. Bengals at the Seahawks. That's Seahawks. Seahawks. Yeah. It's it's Seahawks. This is gonna be ugly. AJ Green is hurt. He's you know so. AJ Green is hurt. The Hawks have Jadavian Clowney. The Hawks. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that huge trade. Seattle made good. Seattle had a good offseason. This is going to be a bloodbath. The Bengals are going to get slaughtered. In Seattle, the Bengals are going to get slaughtered. Yeah, absolutely. The Lions at the Cardinals. Interesting. Interesting. I think Kyler Murray's not going to have a good season, so I think the Lions are actually going to come out on top of this. See, see, and here's my thing: I really like Kyler Murray, so I, I think that they might they might do it and doom Cardinals fans to that dangerous drug hope. Uh, I yeah, I think the Cardinals are. Going this feels to be a lot like a game that's not year. going to be worth watching. It's going to be sloppy and ugly. Yeah. The Lions are a flawed team, and the Cardinals are basically all rookie, like a completely rookie situation. This game's going to be sloppy and gross. Don't watch it. Uh huh. The Giants at the Cowboys. I I'm, I'm going to pick the Cowboys. It's probably, probably going to be the Cowboys. That. Unfortunately, yeah, they should win that game. It'll probably it, it's an NFC East battle, so it's going to be stupid. Yeah, it's going to have weird bullshit nonsense. But I, I think the Cowboys just have more talent, and that's going to win out in the end. Mm-hmm. San Francisco at Tampa Bay. Oh, boy. Two of the most exciting quarterbacks in the league battling it out. I God damn. I, can, I, can I vote for a push here? Can I vote for a 3-3 <laughs> tie? Oh, God. I think... I think the Bucks are going to surprise them. Yeah. I think everyone's going to assume that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come in and be okay but he's not he's not gonna do that i don't think he will be and i think bruce arians is going to sadly revitalize that bucks offense yep 
and it's going to be obnoxious and they're going to come away with like seven wins if you're gonna make me pick one of them i'd agree with you on that as well like if you made me pick yeah yeah steelers at the patriots Ooh, patriots yeah patriots because they're they're no they're at home they're at home i both of these teams are going to be obviously very different from last year so i'm just having trouble actually imagining how this game is going to play out um but the steelers almost never beat the patriots and especially this is the one this is the one time of the year where the patriots are vulnerable yeah it's true so because they have to lose a few games early on so that everyone starts saying they're over Mm -hmm. this would definitely be a candidate for a game that they would lose early on to make everyone think oh it's over but i can't pick against the patriots in good conscience because fuck new england houston texans versus the saints texans really yeah i i think think, i really think the texans are gonna win that game i think you know now that deshaun watson is is healthy uh and he has at least two games before he tears his acl again jj watt is back i i i think that the texans are gonna are gonna stun the saints i disagree i think the saints are gonna win but this is gonna be a good game yeah worth watching yeah i i can definitely get with you there yeah the what the moves that the texans have made have gone into essentially win now mode and the saints are just a good solid team to begin with that's going to be a game worth watching yeah watch that that's a monday night game the late Monday night game is Broncos and Raiders. Don't watch it. Don't don't watch it. I think the Raiders are going to win it, though. I, I think the Raiders will, <laughs> too. They're at home. They've got bullshit on their side. They It's just like, oh, we're going to go out there. We're going to win. The Broncos are mediocre. Yeah, I, I think the Raiders are going to win that game, and it's going to add more Raiders drama, and I'm going to love it. Mm-hmm. And that is week one. We will see how correct we were next week. But until then, you'll have to wait. And how can we follow you in that meantime, Sam? Yeah, uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Sam Grezes, S-A-M-G-R-E-S-C-E-S, or on Twitch and Instagram at Robots Fighting Dinosaurs. I'm Droplay Dave. You can find me on Twitter at Droplay Dave, on Facebook at the Droplay Comic, on Instagram at Droplay Dave, and of course, on the Droplay.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Welcome back, football. Welcome back. W-I-D-K. Do you wish listening to the radio sucked even more? Join Fish Stick. It stops you from pooping, but it has its own good chemicals that fight the bad chemicals in you, and that's why yogurt's good for you. Lulu. I don't like shellfish to eat. Feels wrong, like you're just prying open someone's house and you're like... <laughs> the Professor. If you really think about it, a hot dog is just a soft-shell bologna taco. And mulch. I don't want a body like John Cena, because that just <laughs> seems like a lot of extra spaces to have to clean. This is I Don't Know Radio. Search W-I-D-K in your podcast app. Hello, folks. J.P. Winterbottom here to tell you about The Beholder's Eye, a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons narrative-focused actual play podcast about a group of private investigators in a fantasy noir setting with eldritch horror undertones. Featuring Baritone Scaleweaver, Half-Elf Bard. Let's go with the starters here, bud. All right. For instance, do you know where, uh, do you know where... The hops for this beer come from. <laughs> Lazy, Jinnish Monk. 
All right, guys, teamwork. Chirp, a Kenku rogue. Boris, I will protect you. Boris Tooley, a dwarven wizard. Right, that's that's not a problem. I'm sure there'll be no no fallout from that incident whatsoever. And Swift E kills. A dragonborn assassin. Don't got a plan, just rolling with it. You can find The Beholder's Eye every other Friday on iTunes, SoundCloud, or anywhere podcasts are found.